0: The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and I'm flying solo again. I was supposed to have Todd Colep, the infamous serial killer, my brother, calling in this morning, but... We're 10 minutes into him not calling in, which is a rarity. I hope Todd's okay. So a couple of special shout-outs today. First is to a new listener. Her name's Carrie. So I'm up in uh, Lake Stevens, Washington, and I'm delivering animal feed. And I pull in, and I see the most gorgeous pit bull ever. Now, his name is Reggie. He's a three-legged dog. But he's got these spots on him, and just adorable. And I am half retarded okay maybe i'm all retarded when it comes to dogs so i'm not even stopped yet i'm like oh my god i love your dog It's gorgeous and then can i pet him so carrie and her daughter said of course so i pull forward and i park and i and i had to say hi to, to reggie so anyways kick ass people and an amazing amazing puppy amazing puppy All right, so second bit of business here before we start in with today's episode is if you're in the Portland Metro area, my band Twisted Blue will be playing at, I think we're playing at a beer at a time next month on the 17th. So come on out, check it out, have a good time, have some drinks with us, get loaded, who knows. All right, boys and girls, let's jump into today's episode. Let's have a little bit of fun, shall we? All right, I found... A weird one for you. And it's only weird because anything that, that, that I find that revol- that involves any kind of religion kind of piques my interest. I got I got two things that go along with that. Number one is a religious aspect that, that kind of catches my attention all the time. And the other thing um, is when people take that religious experience that they have. And I don't care what the hell you believe in. Like, seriously. But when they take it and they kind of manipulate it to their own kind of weird devices... It piques my interest. So let's get into this. Today I'm going to bring to you guys the cult of the Children of Thunder. And we're going to get into that right now, okay? So I'm not much, like I said, I'm not much myself on organized religion. I really don't care what you believe in, as long as you ain't hurting anyone or anything. You know, do your thing. Every religion, though, has its nut jobs, from Christianity to Muslims and everything in between. And I swear, if I had a dollar for every story that I heard where a cult leader... Um, is being described by, uh, uh, you know, being directed by God, like God came and gave me a vision. Well, anyways, you know what I'm saying here. Um, I like to be a, well, I, but I would certainly be a wealthy man indeed, <laughs> or wealthier. Um, when you think of Mormons, though, what comes to mind first? Okay, for me, I think, I think of those helpful guys that come around on their bikes, dressed in their white button-up shirts and black pants, who want to talk about God. They never seem to be rude, by the way, and, and in fact, they always they, they oftentimes they'll, they'll offer to help if you're doing things outside. Like, hey, man, let me help you out because you know, uh, it, I tend to decline those offers because they want to talk about God because it's just not my deal, right? And I also think about uh, the large tabernacles that they that they have, you know, that are generally very ornate and stand out and great great architecture, great architecture when it, when, it, when it comes to that, right? Now. What I know about the Mormon religion is very limited. I'm going to admit that. I know that there are different levels of heaven, uh, and they give a good portion of their pain to the church. Uh, They're based out of Utah, and I think that Brigham Young and John Smith are some kind of prophets. That's, uh, I I think, at least. Uh, I also know that there are a few times that their followers have branched off to create their own churches based on the Mormon faith. Um, I think that we featured one of them, and I can't remember the name at the moment. Oh, and I know some of the Mormons are polygamists with a gaggle of freaking kids. Sorry, smoking and drinking coffee because it's still early and I'm just tired of shit. Anywho's, I know some people are, are, are thinking, you know, but here are my, I more or less frown on that, but here are my thoughts. I don't care if you have several wives and a ton of kids personally, okay? As long as you support them. I mean, come on, guys. Who can can you imagine having two or three wives? All the crap you'd have to deal with. Uh, you thought you thought getting bitched out because you didn't take out the trash or mow the lawn was bad by one wife. Let's add a few more to the mix. I can see it now. You didn't change the oil in the car. Phone rings. Hey. Why did you leave the, your socks on the floor and you are supposed to come and get the kids for the day? Phone rings again. I swear that if you don't get over here and fix the broken toilet, and you, you kind of get the picture. Having multiple wives isn't as great as what it would seem, now does it? Yeah. No. And honestly, I could barely deal with one wife. So, <laughs> and that's why I'm not married. Congratulations. Anyway. Let's get into today's story about the Helzer brothers and their mission to bring the second coming of God and take over the Mormon church. Okay, so Glenn Taylor Helzer and his brother Justin were raised in Northern California in the town of Martinez. They had a pretty good family, and they were devout Mormons. And all in all, they, they, they were pretty good kids, right? They did their thing in school. They got good grades. Uh, you know, so all in all, I said, Good kids. When they graduated high school, they did exactly what the Mormons expected of them, which was they went off to do their missionary work abroad. And Glenn, the older brother, he went uh, by the middle name of Taylor, by the way, he went off to Brazil. One moment, I got to do something real fast. All right, boys and girls, and I should probably pause it and not put you through my bullshit, but, yeah, you're here for the long haul, right? <clears throat> oh, excuse me. <laughs> Anywho, he went by of Taylor, like I said. Uh, this this is Glenn, the older brother. He went up to Brazil, and Justin he went to Texas. You know, the stars are bright, late or deep in the night, whatever it is, deep in the heart of Texas. Hey, everything's bigger in Texas. After they finished up their time doing missionary work, they came back to their home in Martinez, California, and Taylor became a stockbroker. Justin became a cable installer. I swear all cable installers should at least do one porn with their significant other where they come in and look at him and go, Hey baby, I'm able to the cable. Because that has got to be one of the best lines I've I think I heard that from a horror flick or something like that. Cable Star guy. Okay. So life's looking pretty good and normal for the for these Mormon boys. Taylor got married in ninety three. And Taylor and his wife had two daughters, but they divorced about three years later. Taylor apparently was uh, tired of living uh, that good kind of wholesome Mormon life, though. And he wanted out, and he wanted to do something more. He wanted to have some fun. Date other women, drink, experiment with drugs, and a note. I personally don't see anything wrong with that. Hear me out. Hear me out before you want to murder me, okay? Living a strict life isn't for Everyone, and I figured that after a while, he wanted to see what else was out there. I don't judge him for that. I mean, how are you going to know if something is right or wrong for you unless you try it? Like, for real, man. Okay, so the church eventually kicks him out for his evil ways. You gotta go, and I'm not judging the church for that either. I mean, rules are rules, and I think that people should stand by their core values and their beliefs, you know, uh, as they see fit. With that said. If you get kicked out of a church for not following the rules, that's on you, okay? So don't be an asshole about it. You know, you did this to yourself. I say that because Taylor started—I uh, I say that, rather, because uh, you know, Taylor started his own kind of division or uh, of the Mormon church on a limited basis, uh, based on having his own uh, kind of visions in his head. Uh, he would even urge others— Uh, on the, I'm sorry, urge. Jesus fucking Christ. No pun intended. Anyway, he'd argue with people on the rules of the Mormon church, even if he was wrong. He didn't care. You know, if you thought differently than him, then he is on it. Now that, by the way, is a total dick move right there. I mean, what kind of person wants to take the moral high ground after they get kicked out, you know, for breaking the rules? The rules are the rules. And the Mormon church has been around longer than Taylor has. So... You know, it's either follow the rules or just don't be a dick about it, at least. Anyway, Taylor started to talk about how good and evil didn't exist when you're high on drugs and you're drunk. He preached that the Mormon church is it currently stands on a basis of, you know, like kind of an outdated belief system. And as time went on, Taylor began to plunge deeper into actual insanity, so much so that he got a leave of absence from being a stockbroker because he had a breakdown. Like, he's going nuts, like batshit crazy. He also started to believe that he was a prophet from God and that God talked to him and gave him messages. And I'm assuming that, like, God's not texting him or anything like that, right? Or sending him, you know, like, DMs on Facebook or whatever. Uh, Maybe Morse code. That's a possibility. It could be doing Morse code. But I Greg. So let's get over to this chick named Don Godman great name for this story by the way the Godman deal <coughs> pardon me the swallowed rung if you just give me two seconds to get a quick sippy sippy of water because <coughs> I mean he'll spit down into my lungs that's lovely so Don Godman was he was the younger brother Justin's girlfriend so let's talk about it for a minute Growing up in a... She grew up in a small town in Northern California. And she was a total outcast to say the least. And I got the feeling that she was always looking for acceptance. But she never found it. So Dawn did what a lot of girls in her situation do. You need to feel accepted. You want to feel wanted and loved. So she got married at a young age. She got married. 18 years old. Boom. She's married. And then soon after, she got pregnant with their first child. Which is a baby boy. Sadly... Her child died soon after he was born. Dawn and her hubby had another son, but he and he lived, which you know, good going. You know, it's another baby boy, and uh, but unfortunately, a few years after that, they got divorced, and her now ex-hubby got custody of their son after the court found that Dawn had tried to commit suicide at least once or twice, and uh, you know, try, by trying to OD on pills, and that would be a dangerous situation to put any child around i think we can all agree on that okay don was also living out of a car and you really shouldn't be raising a child in that situation (laughs) you know raising a kid out of a car especially a baby that's just jacked up Uh, i i know some people are doing it for whatever reasons but still kids deserve a little bit better i think adults suck but you know well so do kids but you should not be raising them you know out of a fucking car Anyway, Dawn moved in with some relatives in Martinez, California and got herself a job at a local grocery store. She's basically, she's trying to get her shit together. And she began to attend the Mormon church in Martinez. And uh, that's where she met the Helzer brothers. Now, how they met was almost fortuitous, I could say. Or you could say. We can all say. Let's all say it together. Fortuitous. So the church was having a murder mystery dinner. And for those of you that don't know uh, what it is, here's a setup. There's a fictitious murder in the house, and the murder is still lurking around behind every corner, could be. And as you eat dinner, the host provides you with uh, some clues to solve the murder and catch the killer. Well, she noticed the Helzer boys right away. So while the other people are showing up with you know, their good Mormon outfits on, you know they've got their, their white shirts and their ties and their slacks and things like that, The Helzer boys, both Justin and Taylor, come in wearing all black, you know, like kind of like Johnny Cash, but, you know, with Brigham Young in the tail. That's a Mormon joke. So they sort they they stood out like the sore thumb. And soon after she started to date Justin. And I got the feeling, though, that she was more interested in Taylor. But we'll get into why we'll get into why here in a minute. And as Taylor began to form his own church ideas, his brother Justin and Justin's girlfriend, Don, hung on to every word. And in the courtroom, Don would actually go on to say that Taylor had a way of making you feel like you were the most important person in the world. At one point, Taylor and Don were alone, parked in a, uh, parked, they're, they're parked and they're shooting the shit, right? Taylor asked her if she would kill for God, and Don responded uh, w- that it would be a blessing to do that. So sometime before the, you know, whole, you know, will you kill for God thing, Taylor, Justin, and Don were at a retreat with the Mormons. And my understanding that the program made you face kind of like your inner demons, and in the, but the instructor in this one was so abusive that several of the attendees ran out crying. I mean, this guy's apparently like a dick, right? Well, Dawn, she's a trooper. She completed two out of the three levels of the program, and Taylor told her that he would mentor her on her third level and continue her lessons and give her spiritual guidance. He also convinced her that he was the prophet of God. Hallelujah. So, one moment. Uh, Anyway. Sorry, I've had an important email. Email. I really got to use the pause button on this fucking thing. Anywho, his Taylor had all kinds of schemes on how to get money that he needed um, because he wanted to start his own program, a self-help program. And we're going to get into that here shortly, I'm pretty sure. Well, maybe not. I can't remember what the hell I did with what. Anyway, he had plenty of schemes on how to get the money to uh, to kind of open his own self-help group, which would help him overthrow the Mormons, Okay. So one of his ideas was to import girls from Brazil, where he did his missionary work, and run them as hookers and sell drugs. And then yet another idea to adopt orphan children and train them to kill the leaders of the Mormon church in Utah so he could take over. I mean, we're talking some wild fucking ideas, right? And the reason why Justin held on to every word his brother was his, his brother, Justin, adored and worshipped his brother. I mean, they were tight. And, of course, Dawn, looking for acceptance, she's feeling like she's the only person in the world to these two because, you know, you got the prophet of God, and then you got Justin all over her, like, white on rice, going, but I love you, baby. And she's like, ah, I'm going to I'm, I'm go with this. It all makes sense to me. So Taylor thought his plan uh, through, and he knew that he needed some money, like I said, uh, but he needed somebody to launder that money for him. That's when he went out looking. He found Selena Bishop. Now, Selena, she was looking for love, and she fell hard for Tyler. Tyler just wanted to use her and gave her the fake name of Jordan. Like, not even his real name. Didn't even give her his last name. Just Jordan. You know, it's kind of like the artist formerly known as Prince, I guess. And to her, he was mysterious. And, uh, you know, like about his past life and just his life in general was very mysterious. She knew that she had been that they'd been divorced or was going through a divorce and uh, that was about it. Selena was in love with him and told her friends and her family about this wonderful guy that she met. Taylor, aka Jordan, uh wouldn't even take a picture with him with her, you know, with him, them two together or just him by himself. So Selena's mom uh Met him one time, as she as he helped Selena move from her mom's house to her own apartment. So her mom, her mom, wanting to know more about this guy, you know that her daughter had fallen so much in love with, dropped by Selena's apartment when she knew that Jordan, which is Taylor, was going to be there. And she's, you know, she went under under the guise of, hey, I need to borrow a shirt, blah 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 blah, uh, you know, so she can. And she took that opportunity to talk to him. And Jennifer, and that's Selena's mom, said they seem like a really nice kid. So obviously, Taylor is a good actor, right? So Taylor told Selena that he was going to inherit some money from his grandma and asked her to open up four bank accounts for him in her name so his ex-wife could not take his money. And she did. She opened it up for him. And side note on that one. Money inherited is not considered community property in a divorce case in California. Selena didn't know that. I mean, really, I didn't even know that goddamn law until I was researching this case. So Selena started to become irritated with how kind of secretive Jordan, a.k.a. Taylor, was being. I mean, he didn't, like I said, didn't give give her his home phone number, last name, nothing. Just kept everything kind of secretive, like he's a CIA agent or something. Uh, she had also said that one minute he would be really affectionate, and the next minute cold as ice to her. So she wanted to she wanted him to finish out his divorce so that they could move on with their lives together. But little did she know that would not that she wouldn't be alive in the near future. By the time she opened the accounts for Taylor, the saw that would be used to to cut her and her and the victims of the Helser boys up and Dawn's as well, I'm going to throw her in that mix, had already been purchased and waiting to be used. And the duffel bags that her, their body parts would be filled with were already waiting to be filled. So, remember when I said that Taylor was a stockbroker? Taylor had a list of former clients that he had made that were elderly and would be easy to overpower and kill. When he... When he went to the first name on his list, the client wasn't home. He was out of town. He had to go on to the second name of the list. So let's get into them really quick. Ivan and Annette Steinman were good friends with Taylor. I mean, we're talking super good friends. Yeah, he's their stockbroker. They got to know each other, though. And, uh, you know, they went on like outings together. They even went like, uh, uh, you know, like to the river and, 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 and hung out with, like, the Simons' daughter, things like that. You know, and the daughter w- was an adult uh, because the Stimons are, they're, they're, they were in their 80s. And they're living out the golden years of their life, right? <clears throat> and from what I read, Ivan had always wanted a son. So it kind of fit in, you know, that they were buddy buddy and you got to hang out with Tyler, you know, so it really worked out well for him in the beginning. So Tyler and Justin came to their homes dressed in business suits and carrying some briefcases as well. And it appeared that they were there to do some business. So, of course, the Steinmanns invited them into their home. And that's when, you know, the Helzer brothers, their evil plan would be revealed to them. They brandished guns, tied up the elderly couple. They forced Annette, you know, the wife, the elderly wife, to call the brokerage to, and cash in $100,000 of her stocks and had the money transferred into her bank account. The, now, I saw in an interview... With the broker. The broker said, well, she seemed kind of distressed, but, you know, I didn't question it because it's her money. And, you know, I'm going to do whatever my clients want me to do. So after this transfer was complete, Taylor made a net write two checks to Selena Bishop, one for $60,000 and one for $40,000. That's a total of 100000 And Justin's girlfriend, Dawn Godman, went to the bank where Selena had opened up the accounts. Don Dawn came in in a wheelchair. She's disguised, you know, like, secret agent, man. Wheels in there, got this elaborate hat on. And she told the bank teller that she was there to deposit money for Selena as a favor because Selena was in the hospital and needed money deposited for surgery. So the checks were deposited, and Don left to go back to Taylor and Justin. Taylor had drugged the stymons with a drug called Rohypnol. Now, that's a date-rape drug, and... Uh, it made them more compliant and easier to manage. He took Ivan into the bathroom and bashed his head in the floor to kill him. And Net as well, she went and you know he killed the net. And I think that he cut her throat to kill her. By the way, if I'm remembering correctly, and Scotty needs a little bit more water. Oh. Excuse me. It's just, it's. I'm having rough mornings. I gotta start recording this shit in the afternoon. So, they still had some loose ends to cut to tie up. Right. The very next, the next task was dealing with Selena Bishop. That's the girlfriend of Jordan, aka Taylor. They paid her a visit, kill her. Then, they they dismembered her as well. And then they went to Selena's mom's house, killed Jennifer, her mom, and Jennifer's boyfriend as well. Stuffed everybody into these three uh, duffel bags to get rid of the bodies. So, picture it. Sicily. No, I'm just kidding. It's a warm summer day in Northern California on the muckaloomy uh, River. People are out having a good time trying to beat the heat of the day on the river. Just like you do anywhere else in America. You know, you go out, you hang out at the river or a lake, get some water on, you have a good time, drink some briskies, you're good. So it's August of 2000 when a duffel bag floated to the top of the river and a guy who was jet skiing went to check it out. So he unzips it and made a horrible discovery, body parts, a lot of body parts. And a little further down the river near a dock, yet another duffel bag is discovered and later on the third would become known. So, all three are out in the open now. Now, keep it in mind, the Helzer boys are not stupid. They weighted the uh, the duffel bags down so they wouldn't be discovered. But still, they floated to the top. Because you've got to remember something. Body parts will bloat. You know, you have active bacteria and things like that. So, and plus you have the current. So, they're going to get washed up. So, the Helzer Brothers, and this is going to be a shorter episode, and I apologize for that. It's going to be about 30 minutes. The Helzer Brothers and Dawn were arrested and charged with the murders, of course. And in court, the truth of the Helzer Brothers would come out. See, Dawn, she turned state's evidence against the Helzer Brothers to avoid the death penalty. And she sang as loud as, she sang loud and proud like a drunk retard at karaoke night. In the end. Taylor and Justin got the death penalty. Don got life without parole. So Glenn Taylor Helzer is still alive, and his brother Justin, I believe, killed himself while in prison in San Quentin. So according to another serial killer that we had talked that we talked to, the late Doug Clark, who just died a few months ago, Taylor was housed with him in his cell for a short time. And tra- I'm sorry, Taylor tried to kill himself as well by putting a pencil in the wall and ramming his head into it. And of course, he was removed. From the cell. He's like, um, like uh, we got to take you away now, Psycho Sally. So, so much for him being a prophet of God. I think what got me the most, I was seeing their mug shots. Like, normally you see mug shots of people, you know, and they're not happy because, uh, duh, you're in prison and you're doing a mug shot. I've never really seen a super happy mug shot by anybody who's very lucid, but not these two. They have that look like we did the right thing. And I remember also seeing in an interview, uh, and this is what Dawn had said in court, that Taylor looked down at the body of the Steinmans and said, thank you for sacrificing your lives for a worthy cause or for God or something like that. They didn't sacrifice their lives, stupid. You killed them. They didn't voluntarily say, hey, kill us for your cause. No, you took their lives, you douche. Okay, so that's all I have for this one right here. Sorry for the short episode, but it just is what has been busy. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Go on to Facebook and join Citizens of Brutal Nation and interact with us. Let's see, I think that's about it. This show is copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and if you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast except for Metal Cross Radio, they're lying, thieving bastards, and we'll talk to you guys later on. Bye-bye.